0: there, John 21, beginning in verse 15. Where we're at today, uh, we are uh, post-resurrection. Jesus, that Easter Sunday morning, has come. Uh, The folks show up to the tomb, and he's not there. And the stone has been rolled away, not to let people in, I mean, not to let Jesus out, but to let other people look in and see that he is not there. He is risen. And Jesus on that day begins appearing, uh, first to Mary Magdalene and other women, and eventually the disciples see him. By the time Easter Sunday is over, all of the disciples, except for Judas, of course, who's no longer around, and Thomas. Thomas who just happened to miss that meeting. He wasn't there. And so that Easter day, Thomas did not see him, and he continued to doubt, and that's why we call him Doubting Thomas. But who knows? There could have been Doubting Peter or Doubting Mark or whoever else if they had missed the meeting. But it was Thomas who missed it, and he doubted. But a few days later, Jesus shows up, and he says, Here, my hand's and my side. Thomas says, My Lord and my God. And he Comes to faith. And so all the disciples have seen Jesus and they continue to see him. Jesus appears to them at different times uh, over the course of several days following his resurrection. And uh, that occurs several times before uh, he ascends into heaven. And we see that ascension in the book of Acts and then Pentecost Sunday comes where the Holy Spirit, which Jesus has already promised, He's already said it's coming. That Holy Spirit descends upon the church in Acts chapter 2. And so that's where uh, we're eventually going to be going. That's where we're going to be working. If you've been wondering, we finished James we, we've done uh, uh, Palm Sunday and Easter. Where are we going now? Well, starting very soon, probably at the end of this month or the beginning of May, we're going to start working through the book of Acts, and we're going to see the amazing power of God's Spirit as it works on the church, and the church begins to grow and, and multiply through God's power at work. And, and we'll see that kind of coinciding as we come to the Pentecost period of, of the church year. But today we're looking at John chapter 21. It is, again, another one of those uh, resurrection appearances. They've already, most of them met him, then then, uh, Thomas saw him, and and then they had another meeting on the beach. So, uh, Tyler, if you want to take a beach retreat with the youth, it's very biblical. Jesus did that with the disciples, okay? You've got good grounds for it. Jesus had the first beach retreat, all right? And so he did that there in the beginning of chapter 21, and uh, they went fishing, and man, they just, they had breakfast, they had a great time. And so coming out of that, um, that time that they met on the beach, uh, Jesus kind of calls Peter to the side. And they have an extra special conversation. And in a lot of Bibles, there'll be a, a, a heading or a title uh, that the translators have put in over that passage that says Jesus restores Peter. Because remember, Peter had denied Jesus. And so here we have this time where Jesus and Peter, they got to. This is the ultimate come to Jesus meeting. You've heard of those? Well, this is the original Peter and Jesus after the resurrection. So stand with me now as we uh, read. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 23. So, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again, A second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple who Jesus loved following, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, is this, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, says to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Peter said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And then this saying went out among the brethren, that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these uh, intimate moments between Jesus and Peter. And God, we all need those come-to-Jesus moments. No matter how long or how short we've been Christians, no no matter how much we know or don't know, no matter what church or how often we attend, Lord, we all need to be called into restoration because, Father, we all fail you. We can look at Peter and say, how could he? But, God, we all fail. We all turn away. We all sin. But God, you, in your grace and mercy, do not throw us away. But Lord, you call us, in your grace, to be restored and to walk with you. And Lord, I pray that today that we would be encouraged. And God, we would be strengthened knowing what you want to do in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. Today's message is entitled, Learning to Follow Jesus. Or you could say, Learning a Little Bit More About Following Jesus. Because Peter and the other disciples had been following Jesus for three years. I mean, constantly, literally, we say, I follow Jesus. I mean, they were literally following him on the road to Galilee, to Jerusalem. Samaria, wherever, they were with him, and yet Peter had still much to learn about what it meant to be a disciple, about following Jesus. And if you and I look at this little conversation uh, between Peter and Jesus, we can all learn, no matter how long or how short the time we've been following Jesus, we can learn some more about what it really means. How do we really follow Jesus? Three things that uh, Jesus especially points out to Peter in this conversation. The first is that following Jesus is about serving God's people, following Jesus is about serving others. Peter was kind of a loudmouth, right? Peter was one of the kind, I don't know that he thought things that, didn't, that nobody else thought, but he spoke them, right? He was that one to let it go, to say out loud what everybody else was thinking. And, and so he noticed, kind of sort of naturally had the air of a, of a leader. And, and he was always there with Jesus. And he said, Jesus, I'll be with you to the end. If everybody else denies you, I won't deny you. I'll be there with you. So Jesus has this conversation with Peter. And this conversation was hurtful. Maybe a little bit the first time Jesus said, do you love me? The second time, it's getting kind of uncomfortable. And the third time, Jesus looks him in the eye and says, Peter, do you love me? The Bible comes out and says what we would already know, what we could already imagine, even if it didn't tell us that. Peter was hurt at this time. Jesus, you know I love you. But Peter wanted him to understand. I mean, Jesus wanted Peter to understand that following Jesus is not about just a lot of talk. It's not a lot about having all the right things to say and saying, Jesus, I love you and I'll be there forever. It's about taking the love Jesus has given us and sharing it with other people. You see, for Peter, being a Christian leader had meant, I'm the voice everybody hears, right after Jesus. People know who I am. People hear me, they know me, they listen to me. And Jesus said, Peter, what I want you to understand is that it's it's not about, you know, how clever you are and the fact that other people follow you. And Peter, it's not even now about the fact that you messed up. Because see, you know, what do we do in our world? Somebody is great until we find one piece of dirt on them. And then what starts happening is what I call internet rage. You know, people, they pile on. I mean, more and more. In this, today's world, you mess up one time, and you will never be forgiven. It will never be forgotten. Twenty years later, people will bring it up and say, Oh, yeah, you think you're a good guy, but you did this. And we've got documentation and proof. We can look it up on a website. We know exactly what you've done. Jesus looked at Peter, and it wasn't about Peter's abilities, and it wasn't about Peter's past. He simply wanted him to understand, Peter, if you love me, your love for me is going to translate into love for my people. Because honestly, Peter was a good guy, but he was kind of about himself. Like many leaders in many different fields, and unfortunately including ministry, a lot of times leadership, people in leadership can think, well, this is all about me. And Jesus said, Peter, leadership in my world, in following me, is about serving other people. And he told him to feed his sheep. And he told him to tend his flocks. And he told him again to feed his sheep. Peter, this isn't about you. It's about what I do through you. Because Peter, in that defeat, in that grief, in that guilt that he felt in that moment. For denying Jesus, Peter could not have imagined in his wildest dreams that less than 40 days later, the Spirit of God was going to fill him and he was going to preach before thousands and 3,000 would be converted on that day through God using him. But Peter had to understand, this isn't about you, Peter. Great things are going to happen through you, but it's about God. And he's going to work through your life, and he's going to use you to bless others. So many people come to church and they say, what am I going to get today? How am I going to be blessed by that music? That sermon better not go too long and cut into my Sunday school, or whatever else. They're thinking, me, me, me. And again, Elders and pastors and Sunday school teachers and lay people all in between, all in the church. We can get caught up in this idea that this is about me. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, it's not about you, but it's about others. It's about loving other people. Serving God's people. Secondly, as we learn to follow Jesus just a little bit better... Not only do we learn to serve God's people, but we learn to seek God's glory. After Jesus responded the third time, and He said, Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus, you know. You're, you're the Son of God. You know everything. You know that I love you. And, you know, it's kind of funny because at that point, if we were to stop right there and we we were to predict what would come next, you and I might predict. And Jesus put his arm around Peter and said, You're right, Peter. I know you love me. I was just testing you. Everything's going to be all right. But that's not what Peter did. I mean, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus responded to Peter in verse 18 and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you were old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And the Bible explains in verse 19, the author of the gospel here in verse 19, says, "This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God." And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Learning to follow Jesus is about seeking God's glory. We live in a world where health and wealth, prosperity, name it and claim it, is taught. Well, Christianity is your way to a better life. Whatever you want, you just pray hard enough to ask and you believe hard enough and you're going to get it and God's going to bless you and he's going to protect you and he's going to make your life so good and on and on and on. Those messages are constantly put out there. But that's not a true message. And Jesus here tells Peter, okay, we've settled the question that you love me good. Now, Peter, you need to know that one day, Right now, when you were young, you got to do whatever you wanted. You, you thought you had restrictions, but really you got to do what you want. Right now, you got to do, get to do what you want. But Peter, there's going to come a day when you get a little older and you're not going to be able to do what you want. because people are going to take you and they're going to tie you up and take you to where you don't want to go. And the Bible says this signifies by which way he would die. Now The Bible never goes on to tell us how exactly that happened, but church history does. and The traditions of the church tell us that eventually Peter came to a place where the officials had had enough of him, and they decided they were going to crucify him. You won't stop preaching this. Jesus, who was crucified, will crucify you. And Peter went along for that ride, but he begged him, according to the tradition of the church, He begged him one thing. He said, I'm not worthy of dying in the same way as my Lord. Would you please crucify me upside down? Because I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. And that's what tradition tells us happened. He died a death by being crucified upside down. Jesus wanted Peter to know, Peter, you're restored. Doesn't matter what you did, how bad you messed up, you're going to go on and do great things for me. But Peter, it's not about your glory. It's about my glory. It's about God's glory. It's about what you can do through his kingdom. And he let him know right then and there. Now, how would you like that? Guess what, Peter? One day, I'm not telling you when, but you will die a violent, painful difficult hard death but Jesus said look Peter this has been about your glory this has been about you being the loud one the one who everybody notices the one who speaks up the one who grabbed the sword in the garden and cut off the guard's ear it's been about you but Jesus this is now going to be about God it's going to be about his glory And following Jesus means coming to grips with the fact that it's about God. There's no way of accurately detecting what your average prayer looks like. But I'd say if you could put all the prayers of all God's people, true Christian people together, and you could break them down by percentage-wise, I think you'd have at least 60% would sound something like this. And, Lord, bless me and protect me and watch over me and keep me safe and keep me from any harm and let nothing bad happen to me, and your will be done. Amen. That's what most of us are like. If we're really, really honest, we say, Lord, your will be done. But we've tried to hedge our bets a little bit with our prayer, and and we've asked for five or ten minutes, watch me, watch my children, watch my family, watch my church, and on and on and on, and don't let anything bad happen. And how often do any of us say, Lord, I want you to receive glory in my life, in my church's life, in my family's life. And God, whatever you have to do to do that. Lord, you're my rock, you're my protector, and I'm going to lean on you, whatever comes my way. But God, whatever you have to do to be glorified, God, that's what you do. I don't think we pray that way too often. Has anybody prayed like that lately? It's a matter of our heart. It's a matter of looking at Christianity as something that benefits us, a way to help and boost my life and make it better and happier. Or is Christianity about following the eternal purposes of God? Is it about looking beyond just the day-to-day things and whether I'm happy or sad with this particular choice or circumstance in my life? But what's going to bring God glory? What's going to matter when I stand before Him one day? See, we have lots of earthly judges that we stand before. You know, in the passage we read last week when we talked about Pilate, the Bible says that he sat on his judgment seat. That's the same word that's used of the seat, the judgment seat that you and I will stand before one day. But see, it'll be the true judge then. We'll be standing before God. And so all these judgers who judge us in this life, what they say doesn't really matter compared to what God says, how he evaluates us. Finally, following Jesus is about serving God's people, seeking God's glory. But ultimately, it's about surrendering to God's plan. Verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? We waste far too much time in this life second-guessing God's plan. How often do we ask ourselves, well, you know, I think it really would have been better if this happened. <laughs> you know, uh, God, if you could have only made this decision, if, if this relationship, if this person would have done this, if my health would have, if the doctor would have, if the bank would have. And we second-guess. we. Put ourselves in this place where we don't ever come out and say it, but basically, in our hearts, we're saying, You know, I could be a little better at God than God is. I could really make decisions for my life. And sometimes we won't go there, but we'll look around at other people and we'll say, Well, now, God, I'm living for you, and you say this suffering and this hardship is what I'm going to go through, but I'm looking at Him over there. He's not going through it. I mean, He's not being told He's going to suffer. I don't get this, God. And we start second-guessing God. We start questioning his wisdom. And Jesus said, and Peter asked this question, he says, what about him? And he was talking about uh, the author of this book, okay, the, John. He didn't name himself. He just said the disciple who Jesus loved. But he looked over at John and said, what about him, Jesus? <laughs> He's here. Is he going to die a cruel and unusual death, too? Is he going to suffer? And Jesus basically said, "Nanya. None of your business. It doesn't matter to you what I do in his life. That's between me and him, Peter. You just focus on what's m- between me and you." And see, remember we've already said that loving God is about serving other people and it's about blessing them and helping them when they're hurting and doing what we can. But it doesn't mean that we get to invade their lives and start getting all in their business and directing and telling them the way they should live. That's not what it's about. We simply follow what Jesus had for us. And it's interesting that John, who was the last gospel author to write, his gospel was the latest. He had to really include this statement in here because he lived longer than any of the other apostles. And people heard what Jesus said when he said, Hey, Peter, if I want John to live forever, what's it to you? And John kept living a long time, and people started saying, Hey, John's never going to die. He's going to live forever. Jesus said it. (laughs) And John said, Wait a minute now. That's not what Jesus said. One day I will die. Jesus just said to Peter, What's it to you? It's not your business. You and I are called to follow Jesus. And just like those disciples, as they met Jesus for the first time, and he said, follow me, three years later, they'd been through him with all of his life, his death, and his resurrection. And they were still learning how to follow, how to be better disciples. And you and I are just like them. We still have much to learn. And we will keep learning and we will keep growing. If we keep in mind that loving God is about serving his people, it's about giving him glory, it's about trusting him enough that we don't second guess his plans for us or his plans for others, but we simply say, God, whatever you want, that's what I want. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you, and God, we're so thankful that you have a plan for our life. And Lord, even though we're probably not, we should be thankful that you haven't shown it to us yet. Because if we knew what our plan, what what everything looked like, I don't know that most of us would have the strength of Peter to keep on living and to keep on serving, to keep on following if we knew that rough times were ahead. God, we, we struggle to make it through the rough times we encounter that we already know about. But, Lord, I know your grace is sufficient. No matter how we failed, what we've done in the past, Lord, just as you restored Peter and used him in great ways, God, you have great plans for every person in this room, how you want to work in their lives, to draw them to you, to help them to minister to others, to bring glory to your name. Lord, help us to keep on following, to keep on learning, to realize we haven't figured it all out, but God, there's still more onward and upward as we grow in you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.